Welcome to LifeBridge Online. I'm Pastor Chris, and I am glad that you are here. Whether you're watching now or later, everyone is welcome. This is usually our discovery hour when we have classes for all ages and stages, and some maybe soon, probably not, but we're longing for it to happen. We will have those classes, but for now, we're live streaming here. And so, I'm glad you're here. The goal of this teaching is to bridge the gap between biblical learning and radical living. And now would be a great time to like and share one of the benefits of this type of technology is we can get the gospel out. So message it to people, like it, share it on your page. We are glad that you are here. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you. We're exploring the riches of wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3 in a series called Surrender, Wisdom's Path to Success. And so I just want to ask you, I want to ask you to have an open Bible and an open heart. And so as we study those two things, an open Bible and an open heart are really going to transform your life. So let's go to the Lord and ask him to open our hearts to what we're about to hear. Heavenly Father, we come and we acknowledge you as our sovereign God. None of this that's going on in our lives, in our nation, our world, has caught you by surprise. You are large and in charge, and everything, including us, is in your hands. And yet, Lord, we're going to see that you are a heavenly Father, and you are near to hear what is on our hearts. And so, Father, we ask... Give us your wisdom. Open our hearts as we open your word and transform us and make us wise in a manner that is supernatural and beyond our capabilities. This is what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me begin with this observation. Anyone who's been around children for any length of time realizes that all children have certain tendencies. And I want to tell you, let's, let's look at three of them. Here's three of them, and I think you'll resonate with these. The tendency to forget clear commands. I mean, how often do kids, now probably not your kids, probably someone other kids, but how often do you know kids who forget to say please and thank you after you've told them numerous times? Or they forget to look people when they are spoken to or they forget to look both ways before crossing a street remember those days when kids used to be able to play outside okay i won't go down that path or how many times have you told them to pick up their room or to hang up their clothes you can you see that all kids have that tendency but not only that what happens when they don't do these things when they forget these clear commands and you seek to lovingly correct them well then you see this next tendency the tendency to reject loving cor- uh, correction again probably not talking about your kids maybe somebody else's kids but how often do kids respond to correction by a tent- temper tantrum if they are sent to their room. Now, back in my day, kids were sent to sit in the corner. And I still remember this story of a little boy who was sent to sit in the corner, and he said to his mom, looking over his shoulder, I may be sitting, but 
in my heart, I'm still standing. And that's the heart tendency, isn't it? How many kids, when confronted with their wrong, blame their siblings? You know, that was one of the tough things for Amber, being an only child. You don't get to you know, what do you do? Well, there's making excuses. These are all tendencies. And how many have you seen kids run from discipline instead of humbling, re, humbly receiving it? And that's certainly something I can relate to. In our house that I grew up in here in Kansas City, we had a kitchen that had two, two entryways in it. And so literally you could run around these two entryways. And I remember, so I don't forget what I did, but it had to be bad. And mom was chasing me and we were just going round and around and around and she was threatening me and I was running for my life until my mom got wise and she stopped by the phone hanging on the wall. You know, in those days, phones hung on the wall and she stopped, put her hand on that phone and said, I'm calling your father. Well, let me tell you, I stopped running, dropped to my knees and started begging, begging, don't call dad at work. I'll never forget that. Now, why does all this occur? It occurs because of the third tendency that is common to all children. And that's the tendency to ignore wise counsel and make foolish choices. Again, just sharing out of my life, there's so many illustrations I could give you. Uh, my child friend Kendall and I decided to uh, make the bomb. Now, the bomb was, uh, back in our day, we used to have hangers that would have a cardboard circular uh, tube. I don't know. Gwen, do you have one? Oh, we even have one here. here here's my assistant. You know, this, this thing right here, except, you know, this is flimsy. Back in the day, it was stiff, and it was hard, and it was round. And so we cut this baby up and uh, opened up a bunch of firecrackers, poured uh, the firecracker gunpowder into that, and then the wisest thing you could do, we put two me metal bolts and caps on the end of this, what we called the bomb. You know, I mean, what possibly could go wrong? And so we were standing on my uh, on the front porch talking about this. And like any kid, you think, hey, nobody's listening. You know, mom, know what's going on? And uh, we're, we're talking about setting it off that night. And uh, we depart and I go upstairs and my mom see, is sitting there in the living room. And she says, Chris, where is the bomb? Now, how do you think I responded? I responded like every goofy, foolish kid. I said, what bomb? Well, she had heard everything, and so she took it, and, and that was the like. Now, that was a foolish thing to make and do. Please don't go home and do that. Don't do that at home. But, uh, you know, we could have blown our hands off uh, and certainly take, taken an eye out. You know, you know all that. But listen, every child is conceived from two sinners and is born with a, as a rebel in the heart. We are rebels at heart. And every kid has these three tendencies in their hearts. Now, right now, stop. Before you think this is going to be a parenting message, I want to say no, but parents, you will benefit from listening and applying this message. But the reality is this. We're all born with these same tendencies and we never, ever completely outgrow them. Even if you are born again and God is your heavenly father, 
You and I have these same three tendencies. We forget, even forsake, our Heavenly Father's clear commands. We fail to learn from His loving correction. And we foolishly ignore His wise counsel. And because that is true, and God loves us and wants to help us, three times in Proverbs 3, three times in Proverbs 3, Solomon, the son of David and king of Israel, addresses his son, and like David his father did with him, he warns his son that he has the same three foolish tendencies. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and let's read verses 1, 11, and 21. Real easy to remember. 1, 11, and 21. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 3, 1. Proverbs 3, 11. Again, it begins with my son. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. And then drop down to verse 21. My son, let them not depart from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Now, let's make three observations about what we just read. So look in your Bible and follow along. Every time my son, notice they all began with that. Every time my son appears, there's a warning to surrender a foolish tendency that's common to all of fallen humanity. 3, 1, in verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. Verse 11, my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Verse 21, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and, and discretion. You see, the very same things that are common in young children are spiritual tendencies in the heart of all people. Observation number two, every warning is in the negative. Did you notice each warning is do not, do not, do not. Why is that? Because these are natural tendencies. In other words, you and I naturally drift we naturally go to these three things. We all have these tendencies and we must resist the drift, resist the pull. We must surrender these foolish tendencies because if you don't do anything, you will do these things. And then observation number three, every foolish tendency has an opposing wise trait that needs to replace the foolishness that is in our heart. And for that reason, we're going to have this lesson's going to be 
two part. We're going to look at surrendering the foolish tendencies, these three tendencies. And then next week, we're going to come back and look at how to replace them with three wise traits that in each of these verses is the opposing opposing characteristic. Now, here's the bottom line. I have these tendencies. You have these tendencies. Everyone has these tendencies. Whether you're an unbeliever or a believer, whether you're a Christ follower or someone that's far from God, we all have certain tendencies that cause us to make foolish choices that can be costly to ourselves and to others. And right here in Proverbs 3, God is so gracious to fools like you and me. God is speaking to us as a wise father, and he's warning us, surrender, surrender your foolish tendencies and replace them with wise traits that will keep us on wisdom's path to success. God is so good. His word is so good. And here is how we gain wisdom. So for the rest of our time this morning, let's look at how to surrender our foolish tendencies. And here's the first tendency. Surrender the tendency to forsake the Father's clear commands. Surrender the tendency to forsake the Father's clear commands. Look again at Proverbs 3.1. I want you to see it in your Bible. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now, here's what's really cool about this verse. In the Bible, forgetting is always more than not remembering. Okay, he's not saying, hey, be a, a, a Bible quiz kid. You know, be an Awana memorizer, as important as that is. But listen, forgetting is always more than not remembering something. It's failing to do something and forsaking someone. So let's think about this. In this verse, we see in the Hebrew parallelism, and that's one of the cool things about uh, Old Testament poetry, like what we're looking at in the book of Proverbs, is scripture, comparing scripture with scripture, parallelism will often help you explain or understand. So if you don't understand something in one line, look at the second line and see what it says. Well, in this parallelism, we see that forgetting is the opposite of keeping or obeying God's commands. So why is forgetting so dangerous? Why are we being warned by this? by our loving Heavenly Father. Why is forgetting so dangerous? Well, first of all, because forgetfulness leads to unfaithfulness, even potentially apostasy. Forgetfulness leads to unfaithfulness. You see, in the Bible, forgetting leads to forsaking. And in the Bible, remembering leads to obeying. And so that's the idea. So uh, in a sense, forgetting is always implying forsaking. And remembering is always assuming obeying. We forget and therefore we forsake. We remember in order to obey. 
And what are we to never forget and forsake in this verse? Well, notice in the verse, it's God's teaching. His teaching. The Father says, do not forget my teaching. The word there is Torah, the instruction of the Lord, His revealed word. But in the parallel, it's not only the instruction, but it's the commands. These two are always tied together. Listen, listen to me. God and His Word are inseparable. So here's the second reason forgetfulness is so dangerous. When you begin to forget God's Word, you will eventually forsake God Himself. Wow. Let that one sink in. You see, when our tendency is to not obey the written Word of God, We have already begun to fall away from the living word of God. I am one of my greatest, greatest burdens and concern during this pandemic, during this separation, this difficulty in gathering as a church and being under the word of God and the distractions of watching the teaching of God's word online is that we can begin to forget the word of God, and therefore begin to take steps to fall away from God. Listen, Jesus himself said, My sheep hear my voice and follow me. Hearing and following go together. You see, forgetting the word of the Lord will always lead to forsaking the Lord of the word. Now, the first foolish tendency that we need to surrender to the Lord is thinking that we can succeed in God's eyes and not follow his instructions in the Bible or obeying his commands. Now listen, memorizing is a critical skill for knowing the word of God, memorizing. Meditating is a necessary skill for understanding the word of God. You Listen, you memorize in order to know it. You meditate to understand it. But please understand that applying is the ultimate skill to be wise in God's word. And that's what he's talking about. Listen, we're making this comparison to parenting and our kids. Knowing and not doing didn't fly with our parents as we were growing up. And it doesn't fly with our Heavenly Father. Listen, do not be deceived, beloved. Saying you know God and yet not being obedient to all that He has commanded. Listen, Matthew 28 said, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so that's Jesus' standard. It's very important. Think about James 4.17 in this regard. Here's what James 4.17 says. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it's sin. And then 1 John 2.3. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I've come to know him. I'm a, a believer. I'm a Christian and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth 
is not in, in him. Wow. That's some heavy words. It's a, it's a loving warning. So let's surrender this morning. Let's surrender this tendency to be hearers of the word and not doers. Let's surrender the tendency to be taught the word like we're doing right now, but not transformed. Let's surrender the tendency to be convicted by the word, but not changed. You see, the wise will surrender this tendency to forsake the Lord and his clear commands. But listen, the second tendency is just as important because inevitably we will all fail to obey. And when we do, the Lord is a loving heavenly father and he will correct us. And so we need to surrender the second tendency of to resent the father's loving correction. Surrender the tendency to resent the father's loving correction. Look in your Bibles again at verse 11. Verse 11. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. Now, again, I've kind of used myself as an example. No one likes getting spankings. I never did. I didn't like it. It hurt. I didn't want it to happen. No one, and I still, as an adult, no one likes being corrected. No one likes being rebuked. I think we can all agree on that. But the foolish tendency in this verse is, is warning us of much more than not liking being corrected. It's talking about not rejecting it and loathing it. Really abhorring it, a, a real heart resenting of it. So let's look at what this verse is warning us about. This is a tendency, and he's saying, don't reject being corrected by the Father. Don't reject it. Don't say, no, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Don't do that when being corrected by the Lord and whoever he uses to, cor- to correct you. In other words, Don't despise it by not listening to it in order to benefit from it. So don't reject it. But listen, if you keep and if I keep rejecting the correction that God sends our way, then pretty soon we're going to resent it with a deep hatred and bitterness in our hearts. So here's the second warning. Don't resent being corrected by the Father. In other words, don't detest it and not learn from it as we should. Don't detest it to where you simply don't learn from it. Hey, let's face it. Because we have a sin nature, and even as born-again believers who are children of our Heavenly Father with new created hearts and regenerated spirits, we still sin. And therefore, our loving Heavenly Father is really constantly correcting those who are his children. And if we're not careful, we all have a natural tendency to grow so weary, so weary of being disciplined that we begin to resent it, reject it, and run from it, and run from it. I started thinking about this as I was developing this lesson. What causes us 
to resent, reject, and run from the loving correction of our Heavenly Father. And I think when you look at biblical theology, there's four reasons why we do that. Let's look at these quickly. The first one is guilt. The reason we run from God's correction is that we are guilty and we don't want our sin to be uncovered. We know we're wrong, but we don't want anyone else telling it. We don't want it to be out. We don't want it to be spoken. When anything is spoken, it becomes more real. And when someone speaks it to us, it becomes unavoidable. And yet, listen to what the wisdom of God's Word says. Proverbs 28.13 says this, He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Listen, guilt is not a good enough reason to avoid correction when compassion lies on the other side. Listen to Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Pause. Reflect on that. We run from correction out of our guilt. We don't want it to be uncovered. And yet God says when it remains covered, our guilt increases. But when we uncover it through confession, then comes compassion and forgiveness from God. Don't run from correction. The second reason we run is fear. Fear. We're afraid of being punished. We're afraid of, the su- of suffering the consequences of our sin and, and our foolish choices that we know we deserve. And so we, we avoid correction, thinking that we will avoid punishment. We fear sometimes that there will be no forgiveness. I, I'd confess, but what if I'm not forgiven? We think there is no second or third or fourth or fifth chance. But again, listen to the wisdom of our Heavenly Father in Proverbs 3.25, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. What that saying is, don't fear the judgment that will fall on the wicked. Listen, if you know the Lord this morning, you can freely confess to Him knowing you will not be judged but He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and you will be restored to sweet fellowship with Him. Listen to Proverbs 10, 24. What the wicked fears will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Oh, don't let fear cause you to run from being corrected by God and the people He sends to you. The third reason we run is shame. We are ashamed of letting ourselves down. We're ashamed of letting others down. We're ashamed of letting God down. And so we run from correction because we feel like I'm feeling the shame 
And when someone corrects me, if I listen and, and I admit and I confess and I acknowledge, then my shame is only going to increase. But, oh, listen to the wisdom of our Heavenly Father. Proverbs thirteen, eighteen. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. Listen, running from reproof, running from discipline and, and correction will only increase shame while submitting to it will bring honor to your life. Proverbs fifteen thirty two says this, Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. Isn't it interesting? The one you shame ultimately is yourself when you run from correction. And then Proverbs uh, 29.15, there's so much. Here's one, 29.15. The rod and the reproof, the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. So shame is involved. Anytime we sin. Shame floods our hearts. Believer, unbeliever, it doesn't matter. Shame is a part of the consequence of sin. But don't let that shame cause you to run from God's correction. Listen, these three things all build in a vicious cycle of bondage. Because here's the reality. As our guilt increases because we're not, receiving correction we're not confessing as our guilt increases so does our fear of being found out and as our fear of being found out increases so does the shame and as shame increases and i know this because i've experienced it you've experienced it when our shame increases we isolate we isolate from people we avoid people that will ask us the hard questions and we don't want our shame to be revealed. But the reality is it only multiplies our shame. And what's at the root of all this? The root is the fourth reason why we run and that is unbelief. You see, at the heart of this cycle of bondage, guilt, fear, shame, is a heart of unbelief. We lack trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5. We lack trust in the Lord, and we are wise in our own eyes. We lean on our own understanding, and we basically just don't trust that God can handle our sin. That God is loving enough to hear our sin, hear our confession, cleanse us and enable us to repent and begin to live in a different way. Look again in Proverbs 3.12. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects his son in whom he delights. Oh, let me just challenge you. Let me challenge myself. Think of correction as God loving you. The next time someone confronts you, think, this is God delighting in me. 
You say, even in me, in my sin? Yes, when you have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, you can confess your sin and you can receive cleansing from your sin. Now, we need to surrender the foolish tendency to forsake the Lord and His clear commands, to resent the loving correction of the Lord. And the third tendency is this. We need to surrender the tendency to ignore the Father's wise counsel like He's giving to us right now in this message. Look again in verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Sound wisdom and discretion. What does it mean to not lose sight? What's that mean? Well, losing sight basically means losing focus. And it just comes down to this. Don't be distracted and disregard what is of great value. That's what it means to lose sight of something. Don't be distracted and disregard, ignore what is of great value. You see, it's the idea of being distracted by other things and forgetting what's most important. Basically, I'm saying this, don't forget that what is, so, what is most important is seeing life from God's perspective. Don't get distracted. Don't treat God's wisdom like we treat social media where we scroll and, and we're distracted and we move from one thing to another and our, our involvement is very shallow and very surface. No, 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 no. Be focused. Stay focused. And then it's the idea of getting lazy to guard what is most important. So here's how I summarize it. The idea here is stay focused. And stand guard so God's wisdom is never far from your heart. Stay focused. Stand guard so that God's wisdom is never far from your heart. And when you need it, it's there. And you're constantly using it to evaluate and to discern. Now, what is it that we're to focus on and guard in this way? Well, if you look at verse 21... It says, let them, and the question is, what is them? You know, what does that refer to? Some people think it refers back to verses 19 and 20, where it says the Lord's wisdom, the Lord's understanding, and the Lord's knowledge. These are the things that we are not to lose sight of. But I also think it's verse 21, it's the two things that he mentions right after this. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Well, we'll let the Bible scholars debate which that is. The difference is not that great. Here's the end result. Be discerning so that you can act with discretion no matter what crosses your path. I think it's the idea. Sound wisdom is discernment and discretion is the freedom to choose what ought to be done in any situation. You see, discerning is seeing situations from God's perspective. Discretion is the freedom to should be done in that situation. Here's what happens. We get tempted by the world around us, 
by the enemy above us and by the flesh within us. And without sound wisdom and discretion, we will not be free to resist the temptation, not make foolish choices, not forsake the Lord in His clear commands, not resent His loving correction, but with God's wisdom, seeing situations from His perspective, and then exercising, so that's discernment. And with that discernment, we get the freedom to decide what would most please God. In other words, I would summarize it this way. Seeing situations from God's perspective so that you are free to choose wisely no matter what. Wow. Wisdom is a rich reward that God gives us. Now, we need to surrender tendency to ignore wise counsel. We'll talk more about this next week, but it, it, that wise counsel comes not only from, it, it comes from our Heavenly Father, but it comes from our earthly fathers. It comes from a variety of messengers. We'll, we'll see next week that God even uses unbelievers to reprove and to give wise advice to believers. But I'll never forget this one example of this. Seeing this play out, when I led a missions campaign to Mexico City, uh, it was during my seminary days, I was part of a Korean-American youth group, and I was leading a campaign with these Korean-American teens to Mexico City. And a young man by the name of Brian was one of the teens going on that trip. And his dad, very wisely, counseled Brian Don't take a lot of money on this trip. But Brian, being a young teenager, did what most young teenagers did, and he insisted on bringing a big wad of American dollars in his wallet on this trip, even though his dad repeatedly advised him not to do it. So we get to Mexico City, and of course part of in Mexico City is the metro, and we had uh, helped these young people to be prepared. You're packed in that metro in Mexico City like sardines. We circled the girls. We told them to keep your backpacks and your wallets on the front of your body, and we surrounded the girls and had them on the inside. And even with that, there was all sorts of craziness that went on as we traveled. But we got to our destination, and we got out, And every body got out, and we were walking to the next site that we were going to go see in Mexico City. That is everyone except Brian. And uh, myself and my friend who were leading the trip, we looked back to make sure we had everybody. And we looked back, and there was Brian right outside the metro, frantically leaned over his backpack and looking through and just had panic on his face. And you guessed it. His wallet had got lifted on that metro. You see, he ignored the wise counsel of his father, and it was costly. Now, when we don't listen to our heavenly father or earthly fathers, it's a big deal, and there's consequences. But it can be more than costly when it comes to our heavenly father. It can mean deadly, eternal consequences so what do we do with these three tendencies that we've looked at 
forsaking the Lord's clear commands, resenting the Lord's, uh, resenting his loving correction, and ignoring his wise counsel. What are we to do with these and, and how they lead to foolish choices and costly consequences? Well, here's advice. Take Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 and apply it. In other words, surrender them to the Lord, trusting Him to deal with them. Acknowledge that they dwell in your heart. Don't cover it up. Confess it. Acknowledge that they're in your heart and that you have no ability to correct them, much less cut them out of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding on how to overcome them, on even how to surrender them. Don't think, I know how to do this. And then be not wise in your own eyes and think, you can deal with these and the consequences. Don't think that you can claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ and consistently and as a pattern of your life think that you can figure this out and that you have it under control. In other words, fear the Lord and turn away from the evil that is comes as a consequence of not surrendering these tendencies. In other words, apply Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 to surrender these foolish tendencies. Trust in the Lord with your heart and ask him to replace these foolish tendencies with wise traits that will counteract and keep you on wisdom's path to success. Now you say, well, what are those wise traits? Well, come back next week and we'll look at what those are because sanctification is always a replacement process. It's not enough to surrender these tendencies, we need to replace them with wise traits and habits. Why don't you do that right now? There in the comments section, uh, in the comments, we have a connection card. If this has resonated with you, if this has raised questions for you, you can put those in the comments. You can fill out the connection card. But right now, I just want to pray for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, caring for us, even those who are far from you, even those that don't believe in you. You have compassion and you have wisdom to impart to them. And so whoever's watching, whenever they're watching, wherever they're watching, may your word, which is more powerful than a two-edged sword, pierce the unbelief, pierce the bondage, pierce the foolishness that dwells in our hearts. And Lord, shine forth the righteousness and the wisdom and the holiness that is Jesus Christ, your son, the one greater than Solomon, the son of David who was sinless and who stood in our place, who paid for our sin on the cross, who rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father and reigns as king to deliver us from these foolish tendencies. And so, Father, I pray that we will surrender them to you in trust, that we will acknowledge you are Lord, we are not, you are wisdom, we are foolish, 
And that, Lord, will lean on you to eradicate and eliminate these tendencies to give us discernment, give us a humility, to give us the traits we're going to talk about next week. And so pray for deliverance. And I pray, Lord, for peace to enter hearts right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, glad you joined us. We'll see you same time, Lord willing, next week.